Hello, and welcome to another podcast from Rheumatology Consultant. I'm your moderator, Rebecca Mashaw. Today, we're joined by Dr. Claire Barber, a rheumatologist with the Cummings School of Medicine at the University of Calgary in Canada. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Barber. Along with some of your colleagues, you conducted a study recently published in Arthritis Care and Research on the outcomes and experience with virtual care or telehealth of patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Of course, the use of virtual care throughout all specialties has skyrocketed since the advent of the pandemic, but the option has been around for a while. Have other studies been conducted previous to yours about the use of telemedicine in rheumatology? Thanks so much for that um, question. There have been certainly a number of other kind of studies, reviews, and even other systematic reviews on this topic, and I thought I would maybe just highlight two other uh, fairly recent uh, systematic reviews and then maybe just highlight how ours, our, our uh, systematic review was, um, uh, was slightly different and, and contributes to this body of evidence. So um, the first was a systematic review by PIGA and colleagues from 2017 and it was published in seminars in arthritis and rheumatism. And they evalu evaluated tele-rheumatology to really understand its feasibility, its effectiveness and patient satisfaction with this modality of care. They searched a number of databases and examined uh, rheumatic diseases in general. So in, well as our study focused on RA um, and a meta-analysis uh, was not done due to the heterogeneity of these interventions and outcomes. And they identified a number of studies in RA, scleroderma, fibromyalgia, OA, JIA, and also some more general rheumatic disease cohorts. And uh, overall, they felt that um, the feasibility of tele-rheumatology and patient satisfaction were high and the effectiveness appeared to be equal or higher than standard face-to-face -face, um, uh, encounters with rheumatologists. Um, but there were some limitations. There were small sample sizes, there was lack of blinding for some of these interventions. And they concluded that really higher quality randomized controlled trials were needed for this particular topic. Um, also published in 2017 was another systematic review by McDougall and colleagues. And this was published in Arthritis Care and Research. Um, and this study aimed to summarize the published and gray literature on telemedicine for diagnosis and management of inflammatory and or autoimmune uh, rheumatic diseases. And they include 20 studies. But again, these studies varied significantly in quality and publication type, and many demonstrated a high risk of bias. And there were some conflicting results reported, including regarding the effectiveness of telemedicine with at least one study showing that they, they felt that in-person care uh, was, was more effective. Our study, in contrast, really focused specifically on rheumatoid arthritis, as, as opposed to these other reviews that looked at other different uh, types of rheumatic diseases. And we only included studies where the use of virtual care could be used to replace an in-person visit, which is in contrast to other more general reviews. So they might have included studies that were used to augment care, to provide care in between visits, um, for example. Um, or for patients sort of self-monitoring self of, of disease to help with uh, care. And we feel that this is a really important and timely question to answer given the explosion of virtual care in the pandemic when virtual care has been used very much by many rheumatologists for at least a short period of time and, and for some maybe longer periods of time to actually replace in-person visits. Now in your study, as I understand it, you actually set out to compare patient outcomes. Uh, and um, between in-office care and virtual care for patients with RA. So what specific outcomes were you interested in and did you look at? 
Thank you for that question. The main outcomes we were interested in, we're really looking at disease activity to see if, again, patients over time um, who were followed uh, remotely or by virtual care um, had similar disease activity to, to those that had in-person visits. And we also looked at patient experience or satisfaction with virtual care. So those were our two, two main outcomes. Can you give us a quick overview of the research, the, the databases that you use, the studies you included, just generally, and the time periods covered, and any limitations? And I think you've addressed some of that in your first answer, but just a quick overview, if you would. Mm -hmm. We searched um, Medline, Embase, Sinal, and the Cochrane Central Register for controlled trials from inception until March of 2020. And we included observational um, studies as well as randomized trials describing the use of RE virtual care that replaced a conventional rheumatologist visit and reported on our outcomes of interest as we've just described. So we reviewed 352 studies and six were selected for inclusion and half of these were randomized controlled trials. And in total, there were over a thousand RA patients included and all of the studies were published on or after 2016 and they represented different studies from around the world. Um, the studies looked at different types of interventions. So some were video conference, some were telephone calls, um, uh, some were monitoring electronic uh, patient reported outcomes asynchronously and uh, two involved patient presenters at remote sites who were presenting the physical exam. So there was the significant heterogeneity in the types of outcomes and the types of modalities that were employed. Overall, from the randomized trials, um, disease activity was very comparable between the virtual care modalities and conventional care at the final follow-up. And actually one randomized trial found no difference in observed outcomes between virtual care that was provided by a rheumatology nurse. And they had a separate uh, arm of the study that looked at uh, rheumatologist uh, care and comparing the two. And overall, again, satisfaction appeared generally equivalent with one study showing higher satisfaction with video conferencing compared to telephone. And, uh, and again, the same study reported that the best experience was still with conventional visits in that particular study. The observational studies had different methods and populations were generally harder to compare, but still provided some important learnings. And one of these um, studies also de demonstrated comparable or improved disease activity when evaluated over time. Um, and um, in one, another study, um, higher disease activity did appear to be associated with lower patient satisfaction. So that might be a consideration for physicians when selecting individuals who are, who are appropriate for virtual care. Study, I believe it's Alaska Tribal Health System, also revealed that over half of patients who receive virtual care still expressed a preference for in-person care, despite feeling the quality of care was comparable. So certainly um, this provides learnings in, in trying to select individuals and, and making that a bit of a shared decision with patients as to, to whom uh, and when is it most appropriate to provide virtual care. You've already addressed some of these issues, I'm sure, but could you focus on the key conclusions you reached I think there's there's probably uh, um, the main key conclusion that I would draw from this is that virtual care strategies do appear to support patients in maintaining stable disease activity over time and deliver good experience, at least in the short term. And there may be some limited evidence that rheumatology nurses delivering virtual care may offer a similar experience to rheumatologist-led virtual care. So those will be kind of the, the key key learnings. Did you find anything in your results that surprised you? I think I was generally surprised by the the small number of studies that met our eligibility criteria still. Um, there was also a lack of data on kind of direct video conferencing with patients. Um, and uh, I think this is likely to change because of the explosion of, of use in video conferencing since the pandemic. And, and this is sort of a, uh, looking at the literature just, just prior to the pandemic. 
Um, there was also a lack of long-term data and I found that surprising and, and represents a challenge in an area for a future direction. Which leads to my last question, which is what needs to be done next? That's a great question. I think there's a, a lot of important research that should be done in this area. I think there's room to better understand patient preferences for virtual care um, as it may or may not be acceptable for all patients. And these preferences may vary over time uh, uh, and by potentially by provider and, and other factors. Um, I think we need a better understanding, importantly, of the equity considerations for the provision of virtual care. Um, in particular, are we adequately caring for individuals who may not have ready access to a computer or high, high Wi-Fi or who may have hearing or visual impairment or speak a different first language or have different um, computer literacy, for example. I think these are all really important um, considerations that need further investigation um, with an equity lens. Uh, we also, as I pointed out before, don't understand the long-term impacts on, on patient outcomes using these virtual modalities. How, how safe is it to not see our stable RA patient? Is it indefinitely? Is it one year, two years? Should we be interspersing these visits? We just don't know. Um, and understanding the optimal types of virtual care for different clinical situations. So should we be following people by electronic, just um, asynchronous uh, patient reported outcomes versus having telephone uh, follow-ups and understanding, you know, if there's different outcomes if we're using telephone versus direct video conferencing and, and so on. Uh, and while not the focus of our study, um, I, I suspect we also need to, to understand more about how the ongoing use of virtual care and this explosion of virtual care is affecting health system um, costs in addition to patient outcomes. So um, those are sort of some of the off the top of my head um, thoughts about, about this area, but I, I think it's emerging, it's really important and that we should be um, investing the time to really make sure that we're doing this right, uh, you know, to, to deliver the best care to our, our patients living with rheumatic diseases. Thank you so much for your time today. This is very interesting and we look forward to talking to you again in the future when more of this research gets done. So thanks very much, Dr. Barber. Okay, thank you.